Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. take this opportunity to welcome you to Bowling Springs Baptist Church. I look across the congregation and glad to see everyone here and ready to worship the Lord. I look out, I also see some new faces, and so we take this opportunity to welcome our guests who are with us today. I see some Gardner Webb students and some other folks with us today, and we're glad you're here. I want to invite you to um, take the tab that's on the outside of your bulletin and fill that out and drop that in the offering plate when it comes by so that we can uh, get to know you. And if you have any questions about who we are or uh, what, how we can minister to you, we'd love to get to know you. So fill that out and drop it off, and on the back of that, for everyone is an opportunity to share prayer requests with the church staff and the church if you'd like to so please take that opportunity also around you should be some pink or purple cards where you can share um, requests with our care ministry if you know someone that needs prayer that needs a visit they could use a call or some other kind of ministry please fill that out and drop that in the offering plate as well so that we can get that information to our care team and continue to minister to those in our communities so that's very important. Uh, in your bulletin, you'll see some announcements of some things that are going on this week. I want to remind you about our spiritual growth session that will continue tonight. We're in session two tonight, looking at the book Revise Us. So that's at five o'clock in the Lighthouse Room, and we'd invite everyone to attend that. Before that, this afternoon, we have church planning team meeting at 4 o'clock. So if you serve on a committee that is um, planning some things, we'd like to get some things on the church calendar. We need you here at 4 o'clock uh, to do that so we can talk and plan and get some things going. The activities of the week continue, so you can look at those listed on the back of your bulletin. It also lists the deacon of the week, so if you have any needs there, you can, can do that. And then at the bottom, I want to draw a special attention. You should see some flyers around the church about this Living, he Living Healthy with a Chronic Illness workshop, which will start on January the 29th uh, in, on the afternoons from 2 to 4.30 in the Kerygma classroom here. So if you'd like to be a part of that, the information to contact is on there, but I'm going to give you a new phone number that is on this new flyer that I have uh, to register for that. I have a 704-669-3147. So uh, let's change that number that's in the bulletin to 704-669-3147 to be able to register for that class. At this time, I'm going to recognize um, Bob Blackburn, and he's going to share with us about our care ministry. Thank you, Wesley. <clears throat> We're excited about the care ministry. Wesley did mention the cards. We carry them around all the time. 
so that you can contact us about prayer requests or needs or anything in the community that we see. We've been working about 18 months now, and the CARE program came out of the discussions that we had related to where we are with the church and what's going on. And one of the concepts that came out was a comprehensive in-reach, outreach uh, pro uh, program for our church. If you remember, we had David Moore in, and one of the first things he talked about are the priorities after he had listened to us was what are we doing with in-reach and outreach. We appointed a committee, and Willie and Terry Hamrick, Ted Daves, Gail Hamrick, Heidi Dobbins, Rose, and uh, Diane was on our, uh, Diane Rabin was on our first committee. We began to see where we were. We visited down at Flint Hill, looking at what they were doing. We contacted several other churches. We got material from Mud Creek up in Hendersonville, and uh, we worked hard. But the more we found as we looked at it, there's the gospel song came out about 69 that said, one more river to cross, one more mountain to climb, one more valley to go through and leave that devil behind. So uh, we, we continued to grow. We've been impressed with the people who've been working with the care committees. We've reached uh, over 1,500 people with various contacts during this first 36 weeks that we've been operating. So that's been good. But like I say, we continue to grow. There was another mountain to climb, and Alice Cullinan had done some work on the cup of water program, and we began to take that and see what we wanted to do with that. And we're just getting started with that. And again, we need your help again and making the contacts, we can't say this enough, and Leslie mentions it every Sunday morning, and the forms are out there, they're all over the areas of the church, and we want you to go ahead and get them. I appreciate the work with Jim and with Wesley. Jim has really given us leadership in terms of where we need to go and what we need to accomplish, and Wesley's helping us in terms of communication. In the bulletin next week, or in, the, in our church bulletin, you'll see the uh, email address to make it easier for you to contact us. And we need your help in doing that. We've just got started with the Cup of Water program and we're expanding it. So we're looking forward to working with that. Going back to another old gospel song that came out in the late 50s, and we even had the program here at this church, was the program Good News. And really with that, there's one of their songs that is one of our favorites, Do You Really Care? Do you know how to share with people everywhere? Do you really care? People walk in darkness searching for the way. Can you find somebody you can help today? Will you take the dare to spread good news everywhere? The cross of Christ to bear. Do you really care? 
Boiling Springs Baptist Church is a caring church. We've got over 21 different kinds of activities for all age groups, and we're doing things. But there is one more mountain to climb, and join with us and be a part of everything we're doing in the care ministry. We are going to be learning a new hymn this morning, so everyone will need a bulletin. It is uh, written in there. It is the same composer, authors that uh, you might know on In Christ Alone. And um, I was watching, <clears throat> watching a video about the composer and about how they wrote it and why they wrote it. And they said that they, they worked with a lot of theologians, a lot of pastors, and they felt like they wanted to give those pastors a hymn that they could sing. So that's why they wrote this text. It's great for them to be singing, but it's also got a great text for us to learn as well. So would you stand? I'm going to sing the first time through and then join me on the second and third stanzas. second stanza. Oh. Uh-huh. 
sermon. Something in my pocket I want to share with you today. How many of you have ever been walking along and you look down and you see one of these? What is that? A penny. Now how many of you have ever reached down and picked up the penny? A couple of you have. Yeah. How many of you have looked down at that penny and thought, hmm, and just walked on? Depending on how much gum's on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but we, we think about a penny and we think, well, that's not really a lot of money. But I'm going to tell you. I'm going to read you a story uh, that, that Jesus tells out of Luke uh, about a coin. I want you to listen closely. It says, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. Hmm. So she found her lost coin. You ever lost anything? Yes. Yeah. And you look for it everywhere. And you really want to find it. And how do you feel when you find it? You feel great, don't you? Yeah, whatever you lost might not mean anything to anybody else, but it means something to you, right? Well, Jesus finishes this piece of the story by saying, In the same way I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And every single human being is created by God. And is very special to him. And he loves us. But the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned. And he wants us to admit that sin and to admit that we need him. And, and Jesus is, is telling this story because he's trying to get the Pharisees to understand how important every person is. Kind of like walking over a penny. Sometimes we walk over people because we don't care about them. We don't care about their sin. We don't care about whether they know Jesus. But we need to always be reminded that Jesus cares about us. He cares about every person. And He wants them to know Him. He wants them to know that He died for their sin. And that we are all important. So my prayer is that we all recognize that we are important to Jesus, but so is everyone else. This penny may seem small. We may seem small. But we're wonderful to God. 
and so was everyone else. So may God give us a desire and a want to share his love with everybody and to not walk over one single person, but to share his love with everybody. Let's pray. God, give us a desire to share your love with everyone. And may we not look down at anyone like an unimportant penny, but may we know that you rejoice when one sinner comes to know you. And we're thankful, Lord, that just like the, the woman in the story looked for her lost coin, you continually seek us out. And we're thankful for that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. sing about that sharing of the good news. If you turn to 567 in your hymnal, that is about sharing his love. We're going to sing that one first, and then we're immediately going to sing 557, 557, which is people need the Lord. So 567 and 557. Let's stand, please.
Let's bow together. What great truth from your word, Lord, is in simple phrases like the song we just sang, People Need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he's there. Father, give us a heart. Give us a heart for people. People of every age, people of every economic status, people of every race, people of every past circumstance. Lord, give us a heart for them. Only your Holy Spirit can stir us, Lord, to have a heart for people. Have a heart for people in our congregation, those that are sitting here before us that we can minister to. Give us a heart for those that aren't here. Give us a heart for those that used to be here. Give us a heart for those that could be here. That is the greatest need of the church all over America, that we have to have a heart for people. We can do many things well, but if we don't have a heart for people, it won't make much difference. Give us grace to face this new year with all of its challenges, knowing that you can quicken our hearts for love and concern with all kinds of people, people that we are surrounded by. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Scripture says when somebody does turn to the Lord and makes him Lord of their life, there's much rejoicing in heaven. Turn to 428. It's one of those old gospel hymns that talks about uh, how they were ringing the bells of heaven. Uh, Just musically, if you're not familiar with this, when you get to the bottom of the page, you will need to go back to the second line where that little sign is and sing the italicized words on the bottom. Let's stand as we sing, please. Ring the bells of heaven, there is joy today For a soul returning from the wild See the Father meet him out upon the way Welcoming his weary wandering child Glory, glory, how the angels sing Glory, glory, how the loud hearts
join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to be here today, Lord, and bringing us here to worship you in this service, Lord, and glorify your name. Lord, we just thank you so much for all the blessings that you give us, Lord. Help us to recognize that everything we have is yours, Lord. Lord, and help us to be generous with our offerings, Lord, so that we can help spread the word of Christ throughout the world, Lord, and glorify your name through that gift, Lord. Lord, help us also to remember that we can sacrifice ourselves and our talents and our time, Lord, and, and, and be able to show people how much we care for them and how much we love them through gifts that you give us and talents that you give us, Lord, and help us to take opportunities to share those talents and with, with others. Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, we ask you to bless these offerings uh, and help them to glorify your name throughout the earth, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
appreciate what Wesley shared in the children's sermon. Exactly what I'm going to be talking about this morning. You've probably caught a theme in the songs and and the scripture that I'm about to read out of Luke 15, 1 through 7. Before I read that, I want to let the congregation know, perhaps many of you do know this, that the Voiles triplets are all home. Woo! <laughs> we will have five minutes of silent prayer for the family. <laughs> Bless their hearts. God will give them grace. So let's do be praying for them. Serve them in any way that you can. I've been very proud of this congregation and the way you've ministered to them. And Willie and Terry and the parents have told me that a number of times. I also want to tell you that I'm proud for the way that you responded to John Sessoms, the death of his father. Suddenly, uh, the church has been very responsive and loving in that situation. And uh, I think that I just want to let you know that the family appreciates it. I appreciate it as your pastor. And we can continue to minister to this family, hopefully, in the days ahead. Luke 15, verses 1 through 7, one of the great scriptures. In fact, this entire chapter is one of the great chapters of the New Testament. But we're going to read the first seven verses. Luke 15, 1 through 7. Now all the tax gatherers or publicans and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he told them this parable, saying, What man among you? If he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which is lost. I I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. We're going to be sharing this morning about the importance of people, all people, people inside here, people out there. This is a subject that's dear to my heart. And I hope it's dear to your heart. You see, in the words of Scripture that the parable of the lost sheep was addressed, well, I think the King James says, addressed to the Pharisees and the scribes because of their attitude toward the publicans and sinners. The publicans and sinners. These people who were outcasts, these people who did bad things, these people that were outside the circle of the temple, that Jesus, as a good rabbi, ought to avoid these people. And Jesus was trying to show them through these parables that these people were the very reason for which he came. Publicans and sinners, 
publicans and sinners. In the scripture, you always see those together. Publicans and sinners. Who were they? Well, the publicans, that was another term for tax gatherers. These were Jews that were paid by the Roman government to collect taxes for Rome from their own people and keep a pretty good amount for themselves. Made good money. So they were doing something that most Jews felt was despicable. They were employed by Rome, the occupying army, the occupying government, to go and take money from their own people, give it back to the Romans, and keep some of it themselves. Those were the publicans. You can understand why some people didn't like them. Well, who were the sinners? Sinners were those people who were careless about the religious law. They didn't show up at the temple. They didn't keep all the regulations. Maybe they had rough language. Maybe they had rough morals. They were the sinners. The people who were careless about the religious law really didn't seem to care that much about it one way or the other. So Jesus was criticized by the scribes and the Pharisees, the church leaders, for wanting to be with these people, wanting to be with the publicans and sinners, wanting to talk to them, desiring their friendship, reaching out to them, showing interest, eating with them, trying to get to know them, trying to get to dialogue with them. And Jesus, in response to their apathetic and separatist attitude, Jesus tells three parables of the lost, one right after the other. He tells the parable of the lost sheep that I just read. He tells the parable of the lost coin that Wesley mentioned in the children's sermon. And then he tells, finally, the one most known in this scripture, the parable of the lost son. Now, the sheep was lost by folly because the sheep got lost because he was dumb. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit more later. The coin was lost by carelessness. She was moving around. The coin dropped on the floor and she lost it. The son was lost by willfulness. He wanted to get lost. But of those three parables of the lost, the one that was most precious to the early church, the first Christians, was the one I just read. That scripture and what it depicts, that was the favorite of the early church, Jesus as the good shepherd. Many, many years ago, I had the great privilege of being able to go to Rome on the way to the Holy Land. And while we were in Rome, we went to the catacombs. Catacombs are those miles of tunnels and passageways and meeting places and burial places where the early Christians met because they were in great persecution. They were hiding places. For some of them, they were living places. And it was amazing to go see how these early Christians carved all of this, sometimes out of rock, to have a safe haven. And the guide showed us as we went down parts of the catacombs, you notice on the walls, he said, these crude drawings were from early Christians. Early Christians drew, uh, made these drawings and these depictions. And he said, the one that was the most popular of Jesus was Jesus as the shepherd. Jesus with a staff in his hand. Jesus surrounded by sheep. That was the one that was the most dear to the early church. 
Jesus, the good shepherd, risking, seeking, taking time to care, risking his own life. That was the picture of Jesus that was the most precious to the early Christians. How the church needs to hear those words of care for people. A man went out west and he went to a sheep farm. He'd never been to a sheep farm or ranch and and he was walking along with the fellow that was over this sheep ranch and they were just talking about sheep and he was always talking about how many sheep were lost. And he said, well, how did they get lost? The man just shook his head and he said, well, you know what they do? They just nibble their way lost. What do you mean? He said, well, you know, they, they eat the grass and, and, and uh, they keep their heads down and they, they see grass over there and they'll nibble that one a little bit and then they'll look over here and they'll nibble it over here. Don't even look up. Just keep doing that for quite some time. Maybe even walk through a hole in the fence. Don't even know it because they're kind of dumb. And, and, and they'll just keep eating and nibbling, nibbling, nibbling. All of a sudden they look up and say, where am I? <laughs> I don't recognize any of this. He says, that's how they get lost. They nibble themselves lost. And they can't find their way back. That's sometimes, my friends, how people get on the wrong path of life. They don't start out saying, I want to rebel against God. They don't do that. They just nibble their way lost. They get a little involved in this, a little involved in that. Oh, this won't hurt, that won't hurt. And all of a sudden, they don't know where they are. And the saddest thing is they don't know how to get back. And this parable is a solemn prophecy to people what can befall every person who sets out on a path not considering where it will lead in the end. The truth is, my friends, people are lost. They're lost from Christ. They're lost from the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They're lost from meaningful church membership. They're lost to Christian growth. They're lost. I want, you, I want that word to sink into you. Lost. They're just not missing a fellowship dinner on Wednesday night. They're not missing some good music in this church. They're not mi- missing just a potluck dinner. They're lost. They don't know the Lord. They're lost. And sometimes people can be lost enough that they kind of they lose their way totally. Stories told in another sheep ranch where a fellow was walking with another guy that was a guest of his, and they were walking down a path, and there was brush on both sides of the path, and suddenly out of the path, almost in, almost to hit them, were three sheep that bounded out of, out of the brush and into the brush on the other side of the path and almost knocked them down. And the guest said, Who in, what in the world was that? He said, those were sheep. He said, they're wild now. They've been out here so long they're afraid of us. They won't come to us anymore. They won't live long either because sooner or later they'll starve or the coyotes or the wolves will get them. They become wild. Something has died within them. They've been lost too long. And the good shepherd comes and maybe his staff is shaped like a cross. 
Maybe the good shepherd says in his heart and mind they nibble themselves lost. Perhaps he does not blame. Perhaps he finds them drinking at some brackish pool of self-centeredness. Are you thirsty, he says. I will give you a drink of water, the spring of eternal life, so you'll never thirst again. And those that are too weak, he carries them. How much this parable says about the heart of God. We do want to discover the heart of God, do we not? What is the heart of God? The heart of God, number one, is realizing the importance of one person. The importance of one person. How good the shepherd is. He counts his sheep. He knows he's supposed to have a hundred. There's only one missing. Maybe he counts it a second or a third time and he knows there's one missing. He will risk the 99 to seek the one. And he will keep seeking until he finds it. The true shepherd does not say, I have 99 left. I'll forget about the lost one. I am satisfied with a satisfactory percentage. Neither more could a mother say, I've lost one son, but I've got five other children. That's the heart of God. You want to know the heart of God? The heart of God is everybody in this community is important. Irregardless of their economic station, their age, their education or lack thereof, their background, be it rough or smooth, Everyone is important. When the church loses sight of that, my dear, dear friends, it has lost sight of the most important thing. Everyone is important. Everyone is precious in God's sight. In heaven's eyes, the one man is the only man. The shepherd is not detained by difficulty or danger. He does not allow distance to stop his search. He goes on seeking until he finds it. Each person is unique. You're not a copy of your parents. You're unique in fingerprint. You're unique in the accent of your voice, in your appearance, in the turn of your thought. Everyone's important. I remember when I was talking to my younger brother, George, that's gone now, and he was in Vietnam, serving the Marines, in Da Nang, up there close to the ocean. He said, Jim, it was amazing that when a, a, a fighter plane was shot down and, and the pilot ejected or, or when a, a plane went down and, and a pilot ejected into the jungle, uh, the expense, the risk that so many people made to get that one man, just that one man, the helicopters would go out and they would uh, risk their own lives. They would sometimes try to land or hover where there was fire coming in on them to get that one person. And he said the enemy, the North Vietnamese, couldn't understand why there was such expense and such attention just to one person. One person. It was a number of years ago. Maybe you remember. You remember the story of baby Jessica? <laughs> she was that little toddler maybe three or four years old, that fell down into an abandoned well and got wedged in that well shaft. One little girl. 
And it made front page news. This is happening in Texas. And I remember they had stuff in it in the Charlotte Observer. And how hundreds of people came down there to figure out how we're going to get this girl before she died. And how they were going to dig a parallel shaft and cut over to see if they could rescue her. And they finally did. But it made a big difference. It was one girl. One little girl. When I was a hiking counselor at Camp Mondamin for three or four years in Tuxedo, North Carolina... We would take out hikes of older kids and younger kids and sometimes 10-day hikes. And I'd just gotten off a hike and I was going up to my cabin and I was going to take a big long nap, boy, because I was tired. And the director of the camp was coming down the hill as I was going up the hill. And he said, Richardson, where are you going? I said, I said I'm going to take a long nap. I'm just come off a hike. He said, no, you're not. We've got a lost boy in the woods. You're coming with me. <laughs> I said, there goes the nap. <laughs> And I remember he, he, oh, he was mad too because that boy was lost. They're going to find him. And they got all the counselors and they got other people to help and they got on the horn and they all went out there and we got into search parties. And I remember that boy's name, Michael. I bet you we yelled that name a thousand times. And we searched through the woods and they had helicopters and and everything and, and all this expense, all this time. One boy, one boy. All are precious to God's work and God's fellowship. Urban City and civilization calls you a number. Factories think of you as a hand. God's people must be important because of who they are. One person, one more commits to be a part. One more is brought into meaningful church membership. One more finds Christ and is rescued from the life of sin. Sometimes it's the little things. What Paul, what uh, Bob said this morning about a cup of cold water. That ministry is named that, folks, because anybody can give a cup of cold water. That's a simple thing to do. It's the small thing. It's the invitation, the interest, the welcome, the friendliness, the acceptance, the phone call, the letter, the love. Simple thing that you can do every day. I can do. And some will not respond. I've had more that didn't respond that did respond in my ministry. But I want to tell you a little story, and I want you to remember this if you remember anything. Young man was walking on the beach, probably 16 years old. And it was a certain time of the season, for some reason, the starfish were in the sea. Hundreds of them. And the tide was washing them onto the beach. And the tide was receding. So they were going to get left out there. You know, starfish aren't these kind of, I got these big legs and they can fly, you know, they're just kind of there. So here he was walking down this beach and it was a hot day and he knew if those starfish were left out there, they would die in that hot sun. But there were hundreds of them, maybe even thousands. So he was walking down the beach. He'd step down, he'd throw one in the ocean. He'd walk a little further, he'd step down and throw one in the ocean. There's a man coming toward him, walking toward him on the beach. He noticed the boy picking up the starfish and throwing them in the ocean. Finally, they met on the beach and said, son, what you doing? He said, well, I'm throwing these starfish back in the ocean so they won't die. He said, what difference will it make? Look at all you left. You can't throw them all in there. What difference will it make? little boy smiled, picked up a starfish, Threw it in the ocean. He said, it made a difference to that one. Made a difference to that one. 
I've struck out, my friends, more than I've hit. But I have hit a few. <laughs> and that's what's meaningful. When you talk about the eternal destiny of people, sometimes the eternal destiny of families, that's what makes a difference. The heart of God is seen in the importance of one. The second thing is the joy of finding the one. That reflects the heart of God. The experience of seeing lives that are broken, put back together, those that are missing the joy of Christian fellowship are suddenly filled with that joy. And they just have a new life. Music comes out of their lives that wasn't there before. I've seen it happen. It's been a joyful thing. Reminds me of the story of Felix Mendelssohn, great organist, musician. But when he was just a young man, maybe 14 years old, he wasn't famous yet. No one knew who he was, but he was very talented. And that he had heard that there was a great organ at Freiburg, Germany, that he wanted just to see and maybe have the great privilege of playing at that organ. So his family was visiting in Freiburg, and he went to the church, and the church was open, and he walked in there, and there wasn't anybody there except the caretaker. Here's this young boy. He looked about, say, 14, 15. He, got, he went to the caretaker and said, Sir, my name is Felix Mendelssohn. And he said, Yes, yeah, so what? <laughs> he said, I would love to have the privilege of playing your organ if I could. The caretaker was incensed. Who do you think you are? You can't just walk in here, a stranger, and play this beautiful instrument. Who do you think you are? You can't do that. Why did you ask me that? But Felix Mendelssohn just implored, listen, you can stand right here. I just want to play it for 10 minutes or so, and, and you can watch me, and then I'll be gone. I would just love to have the privilege. Would you please let me do it? Finally, the man said, well, if you've got to, but don't take long. And that young man got up there in that organ, and that caretaker never heard music come out of that organ that that young man was able to, to play. It's joy, my friends, because when people find the Lord, they really find the Lord, there, there's a joy. There's a joy in knowing him and in serving him. Well, not only is there the heart of God seen in the importance of one, not only is it seen in the joy of finding those that are lost. But the third thing is God seeks for us and we want to be found. I believe that the spark of the divine and the search for meaning and the seeking for God and true fellowship is in the heart of people. St. Augustine said there's a God-shaped vacuum in every person that only God can fill. They can try to stuff everything else with it. They can try to find, find meaning in different ways, but it's a God-shaped vacuum. If I did not believe that, I would not stay in the work I've done for the last 50 years. And although many are not present, I think though they're searching for God. Just because they're not here doesn't mean they're not searching for God. The God... The Lord searches for them, and like the shepherd searches, and the woman searching for the coin. There's something in human instincts which prizes lost things because they're lost. Is there something in corresponding in the heart of God that prizes those that are lost, those that are outside, those that are uninvolved? They, like the sheep who didn't mean any mischief, they have no purpose, great purpose of rebellion or transgression. May we be a seeking church, striving to involve, to encourage, to go, to befriend, to contact, to show interest in those that are about us. 
To seek tells us of the pursuing love of God. And there are many ways to be lost. Sometimes people are lost to meaningful church membership. They used to be here. They're lost to involvement. They're lost and they need to be found. Maybe there are people that are trying to find their way in and they need to be encouraged and befriended, inactive, prospect. They're all, it all talks to this subject. The truth is, my friends, Jesus went where the people were. The Bible says the Word became flesh. And this is the only method of redemption. Jesus seeks, in our, seeks us in our lostness. A doctor cannot set a broken limb from the other side of the street. We need to get involved with people where they are. A desire to take more interest in those that are needing concern and prayer, involvement, invitation. You see, sometimes we think we have people figured out because they don't talk about God, they don't go to church, they don't speak the language of Zion, that they have no interest in God, they have no spiritual thoughts ever in their lives. I close with this true story of a young man, his name was John Taylor. He lived in Canada back in the mid-1800s. The time of this Occurrence. He was about 30 years old, 25, 30 years old. He was an explorer. He liked to go out. There was many unexplored areas at that time in Canada. And the government would, would pay him to go out and explore different areas and come back and report to what he found. And it was getting into the fall in Canada and kind of late to be going out on an expedition. But John decided he would do it. His mother worried about him because... She was a committed Christian. He had never made any kind of sense of any kind of interest in the Christian faith or in knowing the Lord. It just didn't seem to be interest him at all. He never talked about it, never wanted to talk about it. So she was concerned about him. And it was a little late in the season for wanting to go out, but he said he would be back. He knew how to take care of himself. So he left. But the winter came on especially early that year. And he got out there about five or six days out, and a blizzard hit. I mean, a lot of snow and bitter cold, and it continued to snow. And after a while, he could not even move in the snow. It was so heavy. And he, had, he got some wood together, and he tried to stay warm, but it was so cold. And after a while, his wood ran out, his food ran out. It was a desperate situation. The next spring, when the snows melted, they found his body. He had kept a diary. And the last entry ran like this. The sun is shining, mother, but I feel so cold. I'm so weak I can barely move. I haven't seen another person in 40 days. The only thing I worry about is this. Will God forgive my sins? You would be surprised at how many people think that. They may never say it, but they think it. These are the people that we are called to minister to. Let's bow together.
Oh, Father, may we take our cue from this scripture today. May we be the seeking shepherd for people like the shepherd sought the sheep in this scripture. This reflects the heart of God. If Jesus were amongst us, that's what he would be doing. He would be going up and down these roads and these homes and public places, talking to people, sharing with people, going into the places where maybe, quote, respectable people don't go, to talk with people, encourage people, befriend people, help people, minister to people. May we be that kind of people. Fathers, we extend our invitation. If there are any here that want to make a decision of any kind, join this church, accept you as Lord and Savior, or any concern at all, I stand ready to receive those folks as we extend the invitation. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Our invitation hymn is number 309. Lord, I'm coming home. Father, go with us and guide us through life. Help us to be a seeking people as you were a seeking Savior. Help us to look at people as you looked at people, needing and hungry for the bread of life. Give us a compassion. Give us a sense of welcome to this place. Give us a sense, Lord, of burden until we find a way to reach out. Give us that heart, Lord 
because in discovering that heart, we will serve you and the kingdom will grow and you will be glorified. Bless us and guide us in this new year. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.